Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now as I said, we're beginning this series on faith this morning. It may be two messages long and it may be ten messages long. Right now, I have no idea. We're just going to start this journey, and we're going to see where this journey goes and how far it leads us. But I believe one of the greatest needs of God's people today to live a truly Christian life is faith. Amen. Folks, it takes faith to live. Wouldn't you agree in this world today and in the things that are going on today? And I believe that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more faith we're going to need. I pointed out to the Sunday school class, and I'm going to repeat myself in just a moment, but I pointed out to the Sunday school class that at one time the disciples said to the Lord, they said, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith with a grain of mustard seed, you could do great things. So a lot of times we think we have faith. We may not have as much faith as we think we have. But we're going to, in this message, it's sort of an introductory message. We're going to look at faith, what true biblical faith is. And in this series, we're going to see what true biblical faith will do in our lives. Some people say, and this is a little children's song, faith is just believing. You're familiar with that song? Faith is just believing what God says he will do. And there's nothing wrong with that song, and there's really nothing wrong with that statement. It's a good statement so far as it goes, okay? Faith is more than believing. See, until faith causes you to act, until faith causes you to move, until faith causes you to do something, you haven't really expressed faith. Now, somebody said this, and I saw this this week on Facebook. There's a quote from Dr. Adrian Rogers from many years ago. He said, if your faith isn't strong enough to get you to church, I doubt that your faith is strong enough to get you to heaven. And that's a pretty good statement. Now, I think you could back that up with what James says over in the book of James because the apostle James put it this way. He said, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? And then he says, Can, I'm going to add a word here because it's understood there in that verse. He says, Can that faith save him? Somebody says, Oh, I have faith. But that faith does not produce any corresponding works of faith in their lives. James is saying, do they really have faith? Is that a saving faith? In verse 17, here's what he says about it. He says it's a dead faith. In fact, we're in Hebrews. Just turn over to the book of James chapter 2 for just a moment. And look at verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. So-called faith that does not produce good works, does not produce a faithfulness to the Lord, does not produce a love for the Lord, does not produce a willingness to live for, to serve God. James says it's a dead faith, and that's not a saving faith. See, there's a difference between head knowledge, head belief, and faith. And I think that's a lot of the problem today in the Lord's churches and among professed God's people that a lot of people have never by faith trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. They've made a head 
belief in the Lord Jesus, but they've never committed to him with their hearts and trusted him as their Savior. Now I'm going to give you a good, and this was our Sunday school lesson this morning, by the way, a very good biblical example of faith. We studied this morning about the time that the disciples were out in the ship on the Sea of Galilee. It's a message I preached just a few weeks ago. The disciples were out on the Sea of Galilee, and a storm comes up. Now Jesus sent them out there. And Jesus knew the storm was coming, and he put them in the middle of the storm so they would learn a lesson about faith. Because about 10 o'clock or so at night, he comes walking across the water. They think they see a ghost, and they cry out. And Jesus says, don't worry, it's me. And Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, bid me come to thee. And what did Jesus say? Come. Come on. And if you go back and read that account, it's in Matthew chapter 14. If you go back and read that account, you're going to see what Peter did. When Jesus said, come, Peter immediately stepped out of the boat. See, if your faith won't get you out of the boat you might ought to re-examine your so-called faith. You might ought to examine whether you really know the Lord Jesus as Savior. I can illustrate faith also this way. I can stand here and tell you all day long that I believe this bench will hold me up. But until I actually sit down on the bench, I have not demonstrated faith in that bench. Faith will cause you to act. Now, what is faith? By definition, faith is a firm trust. It is a reliance that causes us to act in dependence upon the person or thing in which we have expressed that faith. So if you have faith in Jesus, then you're going to act in faith. You're going to depend upon Him. You're going to trust Him to do the things that He wants you to do. You're going to trust Him with your life. You're going to trust Him with your daily living. Now, we express faith in people and in things on a daily basis, don't we? We do. We have faith, and I contend that sometimes we have more faith in the weatherman than we have in God. See, if the weatherman says there's a 90% chance of rain today, I'll guarantee you my wife's going to take her umbrella and probably most of you ladies and some of you men would, right? The weatherman said it's going to rain. Okay, I trust him. He said so. He studied the weather. He knows all of these weather patterns and so forth. He knows there's a front coming or whatever. There's moisture coming up from the south. And so because of all that, I trust him. It's going to rain. So I'm going to take my umbrella. And I love it when they say that and it sunshines all day long. Weatherman's wrong sometimes. God says something. And a lot of times we'll say, well... You know, I know the Bible says that. (laughs) But, right, that was back then. All that trusting God and all was good back then. I don't know about my life today, see. We trust the weatherman. We trust our automobiles, don't we? You trusted your car to get you here today. You're going to trust it to get you back home. What if you get halfway home and it quits? I've made this statement many times before. The second time a car leaves me on the side of the road, I'm tired of it, it's gone. Don't fail me. I have faith, I have placed trust in you. We may even have faith and confidence in our own selves, folks. And in fact, it's okay to have a certain degree and the right kind of self-confidence. And I believe Philippians 4.13 is self-confidence properly stated when the Apostle Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. 
Whatever I need to do in the service of God, whatever I need to do to be faithful to God, I can do it through the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, in Luke 17, read that sometime or read the context in which it is given. But in Luke 17, Jesus told his disciples, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you'd say to this sycamine tree, the sycamore tree, be plucked up by the roots and be cast into the sea and it would obey you. In another place, he said, you could say to this mountain the same thing, and it obey you. Now, as I told the Sunday school class, Jesus was not telling us to go around talking to trees and mountains, although there are people who do that today. He was saying this, if you just had the least amount of faith, if you just had the little bit of faith, you could do great things in the service of God. Now, I went on to say this, the problem with a lot of preaching and a lot of preachers today is we don't have the faith to stand up in a pulpit and do what God called us to do. And that is to preach His Word, to preach His Word openly and honestly and say what God wants us to say so that God's people hear the Word of God and their hearts are convicted by the Word of God. Amen. We need more preachers with a great faith in God. We're going to look at these first three verses of Hebrews 11. And I want us to learn what true faith in God is. And it's my prayer that God can use this message to strengthen our faith. And first of all, we see in verse 1 what I call a description of faith. This is not so much a definition of faith. It is a description of faith when it says, first of all, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now that word substance means what is said or stands under foundation, confidence, we know what that word hope means. Glad expectation. So faith is the foundation. Faith is the source of confidence of our expectation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we trust Him. Because we have faith in Him. Because we believe and we know that the Bible is the divinely inspired and inerrant word of God. And because this word makes certain promises to us as individuals and as children of God we know that we can believe what the Bible says so it is the confidence the foundation of our hope the reason we have hope is because we have faith now some people have faith in faith well no faith has to have an object and you can't just have faith in faith what is the object of your faith I said sometimes we trust the weatherman. Well, that's the object of our faith when it comes to weather. We trust our automobiles. That's the object of our faith when it comes to transportation. Listen to Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, talking about God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is to be the object of our faith. The Lord Jesus Christ is to be the object of our faith. It's not that I trust the waters of baptism to save me. It's not that I trust having my name on a church roll to save me. It's that I trust the sacrifice, the shed blood of Jesus Christ Amen. to save my soul. It's not anything that I've done. It's not anything that you've done. It's everything that the Lord Jesus Christ has come. Listen, if you have no faith in God, you have no hope in life. Amen. And that's the world that we live in. That explains why so many people, especially of this generation, 
And I want to just address our young people again because I'm going to talk about your generation right now. You live in a desperate generation. You live in a generation that so many young people, have you heard about the increase in youth suicides today? So many young people have said there is no hope, there's no future, there's no tomorrow. And so I'm ready just to bail out. And they take their own lives. You live in a desperate, despair-ridden, filled generation. Because they do not believe in God. Because they do not trust Jesus Christ. You see, the atheists have brainwashed people into believing that there is no God. The agnostics have taught you, look, if there is a God, He doesn't care. Science has said... You came from nothing, and you're going to nothing. When you die, you're just going to be dead. That's it. That's the end of it. It is eternal blackness from then, and that's all. there's no feeling. There's no hope. And so a young person today looks around them, and they look at this world, and they say, what's the use? What hope do I have? And they become filled with despair. And many of them take their own lives. Listen, you better be thankful, you young people, because I know you've made professions of faith in Jesus Christ. I know that you know Christ the Savior because of your profession. And so you better be thankful that you know Christ the Savior. You do not live without hope. You live with the greatest hope that there is. And that applies to the rest of us too. I just wanted to fire them up a little bit this morning. Faith in Jesus Christ, folks, is the basis of our hope. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 says, For we're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But listen to verse 24, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, and that just means a satisfaction, through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Faith. That's what gives us our hope. You look over to the book of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. And you see what the Apostle Paul said about the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Jesus is our hope. If you're without Jesus, you're without hope in this world. John chapter 14, the first three verses, Jesus uses the word believe there, but it's the same word for faith. He says, you believe in God, you trust God, you have faith in God. And by implication, he's saying, you've confessed that I'm the son of God or I'm equal to God. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. You trust God, trust me. And then he says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. The apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that when we are without Christ and that we are without the resurrection, if there was no Christ, if there is no resurrection, we have vain faith. Our very hope of resurrection depends upon our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19, he says, without faith there is no real hope. 
So the basis of our hope is God and Christ and, and the source of our hope is the faith that we have in Him. And then it says, not only is the substance of things hoped for, but what does He say? The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word evidence refers to demonstration, proof, a convincing argument. The seen with the eyes, with the physical eyes. We know 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says what? That was a test. Okay, we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay, remember that one. That's an easy one to memorize, isn't it? We walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says that we look at things that are not seen instead of things that are seen. See, we live seeing things that the world can't see. Now, that doesn't mean we're off our rockers. That just means we have faith. What can we see? We can see Jesus working in our lives. We can see God working in our lives. We can see heaven. We can see the hope of eternity. We can see all of these things that the Bible talks about. And how does the world know? See, we're to be the evidence of things not seen, okay? Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How does the world know of God? How does the world know of heaven and hell and the reality of a spiritual life? What argument is there in favor of these things in the world? Folks, it is the lives of God's people. It is the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people are poor witnesses of those things because they live just like the world, thinking only of the world and the things of the world and seeking to gain as much of the world as they possibly can. But a child of God who lives for Christ who is, as the Apostle Paul said, able to do all things through Christ, who is content to be abased or abound however God sees fit to deal with them, that child of God becomes a good example of those things and a good witness of those things. Our faith is to be the convincing argument. You know one of the reasons that the world has problems with trusting God and hearing God and listening to God's Word? It is the lack of faith in the lives of God's people. We don't trust Him like we ought to. We don't have that grain of mustard seed faith. And the world starts complaining and crying. And I almost went southern on you and said belly aching about things. And we just chime right in with them, don't we? We're not demonstrating faith. We trust God. When we don't live by faith, you know what we do? First of all, we deny God. We deny the Bible. We deny the Lord Jesus Christ when we don't live by faith. I pointed out Peter to the Sunday school class this morning. Look at the difference in his life when he steps out on that water because Jesus told him to come. And then he gets, after Jesus is arrested, he gets in the presence of a little girl, a little maid, who says, well, he's with this man Jesus and Peter said oh, not me we do that sometimes and he starts to deny because of his lack of faith and then lack of faith also denies the Lord's church we're not only to be witnesses folks we're to be part of the evidence and a part of the evidence is our faith in Jesus Christ the basis for faithful service of God is not our ability But it is God's ability and our faith in God's ability. I've said many times, you're going to get tired of hearing it. You may already be tired of hearing it. I cannot preach. Christ in me and through me can. That's the difference. 
when I get up here and I told the Sunday school class, and I don't know if anybody's noticed it, and I'm not trying to re-preach the Sunday school lesson this morning, but I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but when we start having the invitation and I stand here, I bow my head. You know what I'm doing? I'm thanking God for giving the message, for supplying me with the words to speak and the message he wanted us to hear because I know that I can't do it, but I trust him to do it. I mean, he called me to do this, so I figure he's going to take care of me doing it, okay? If I'll just allow him to do it through me. So, first of all, there's a description of faith, but then there's a demonstration of faith in verse 2. How is faith revealed? Well, let's go back and look. He says, for by it, that's faith, the elders obtained a good report. Just turn back again to James chapter 2 and look at what James says in verses 17 and 18. Remember, he said in verse 17, a faith that does not produce corresponding good works is a dead faith. He says in verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Hey, can y'all see my faith right now? I'm going to take it out and see I'm holding it right Y'all see my faith? You don't? Oh, I don't know. I'm holding it right here. No, faith cannot be seen except in the things that we do, in the lives that we live. That's the only way to see faith. And here James is saying, a man can say I have faith, but he doesn't have anything to back it up. Well, you're going to question his faith. But someone says, I have faith in God. I have faith in Christ. And they live for Christ. They're giving evidence of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 23, And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. God made some promises to Abraham. And you know what Abraham did? He trusted God. He believed those promises. He's become the father of the faithful. Those of us who know Christ and are children of God by faith, we can also claim Abraham. And then, would you say, what, how did Abraham demonstrate his faith? Well, first of all, he left the Ur of Chaldees and went, you know, God said to him, this is, I love this, he's in the Ur of Chaldees and God says to him, I want you to go somewhere, I'm not going to tell you where it is, I'm just going to lead you there, and you'll know that, you get, that you're there when I tell you that you're there. How many of us would follow God on that basis? God just says, I want you to go. I'm going to lead you, and when you get there, I'll see you there. A lot of people wouldn't, who claim Christ wouldn't follow God on that basis. Abraham did. He had faith. And then in Genesis chapter 22, after God had made this promise that through your heir, through your seed, talking about Isaac and eventually Jesus, the whole world would be blessed, God tells him, now you take Isaac up into the mountain, you offer him as a bird offering to me you offer him as a sacrifice to me and the scripture says that Abraham trusted God he had enough faith in God that he knew that if it was necessary for God to raise Isaac from the dead to keep his promise God could and would do it Abraham was a man of faith Ephesians 2.10 I quoted a moment ago reveals the purpose of our faith what we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto what unto good works which God hath before ordained the purpose of faith is works to live for God, to serve God, and faith is revealed through our works and through our lives. We're in Hebrews 11. Just look to verse 8 for a moment. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in the tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. How many of you have been to heaven? 
Ooh, nobody? You going there? Amen. Thank you. I'm glad a few of you are. How do you know heaven exists? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible is the Word of God, divine inspired and errant Word of God. The Bible tells us about heaven. We know it exists and we trust God. Hebrews 11.13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. How many of God's people say, I'm just a pilgrim, I'm just a stranger on this earth today? Over in, in Israel... And I hadn't planned to mention this, so we'll just tack this on, okay? Over in Israel, there are these Arabs who are Bedouins. And they just move from place to place, and they live in tents. Now, some of them are fancy tents, because I know one of them had a French Peugeot car parked out beside it, and a TV antenna coming up from it, but they still lived in a tent. Why? So they can pick it up and move somewhere else. So what they're saying is, this isn't my permanent home. I need to go and move and be able to do that. I'm not putting down roots here. What do we as God's people do? Man, this world, this is it. I'm going to put down roots in this world. Well, you're going to move out of this world one of these days. Faith will be revealed by our works. And it says here that by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. The elders are just those who lived, you know, in the Old Testament days and those preceding us in this life of faith. And they, they were well testified of. They had a good witness. Again, Abraham, such a witness of faith. And so they lived that way. And it is the faithful who have the best testimony before God. How do you obtain a good report with God? What did verse 6 say? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, you cannot please God. That word please has the idea of well please. If you look at verse 16 of this 11th chapter of Hebrews, look at what he says about these who he's been talking about. But now these desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Just stop on that phrase for a moment. God is not ashamed to be called their God. And the word ashamed means just what you think it means. I ask a lot of times... I've mentioned it from the pulpit a lot of times, folks. I wonder sometimes, is God ashamed to be called my God? Does my life sometimes cause God to say, mm, I don't know if I know Him or not. I'm ashamed of Him. What he's saying is God was not ashamed to be identified with Abraham. God was not ashamed to be identified with Sarah. God's not ashamed to be identified with these people who trusted Him. And so sometimes I have to wonder, because of my little faith, my lack of faith, boy, that song, that Brother Rick, what is it? What's the name of Bless Thou Rock of Ages, O Thou Rock of Ages. That song was the perfect song this morning. Because whether you know it or not, you say you don't look it, whether you know it or not, sometimes I get down. You know, when people start saying, I'm not going to be there Sunday, and, you know, attendance is low, sometimes it's hard to be up. And sometimes, boy, I shouldn't be telling this. Because, see, preachers are not supposed to do this. But sometimes I feel sorry for myself. Now, you don't do that, do you? None of you ever feel sorry for yourself, do you? Thank you. I'm glad you don't. I'm the only one with those problems. But sometimes it gets that way. 
I don't know why I brought that up except for that song. That was a perfect song. I'm glad you, you said you needed it. I needed it this morning. But God's not ashamed to be identified with those who trust Him and those who live in faith in reference to Him. And not only do they obtain a good report with God, guess what? They obtain a good report with men also when we live for God. What does that mean, have a good report with men? We, the way to have the most convincing testimony to others is just to live for God and trust Him. Let people see it. Don't hide it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be afraid of it. Just live for God, trust Him, and let other people see it. Not to brag. Not to say, hey, look at me. You ought to be like me. You know, our world and the religious world is filled with modern-day Pharisees who think they're above everybody else, and you can't climb to be what I am. Well, we're not to be like that. We're just to live our lives of faith and let other people see our faith. Just like Job did, Moses did, Abraham did. I've got to hurry on the determinations of faith right quickly in verse 3. Look at what it says. Through faith, we understand. I love that. You know what faith will do? It will affect your understanding. Through faith, we understand some things. We perceive some things. We observe some things. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. How do you know that Genesis 1-1 is true? Through faith. God's word says it. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said let there be light. God created this universe. And I go out and look up at the stars I think of the mighty power of God and what God has done. That's how I know. You cannot scientifically prove the existence of God, but faith proves the existence of God. I've seen God work in my life. I've seen God work in some of your lives. But see, the emphasis here when it says, by faith we understand, is the object of this understanding, the object of our knowledge. Faith will cause us to believe the Bible. Faith will cause us to believe the Bible's testimony of God. Faith will cause us to believe the Bible's account of the creation of the universe. I said we have folks in science today, and you young people get to college, you're going to confront this, you're going to face this. They'll be telling you that all we came from an explosion, and it amazes me how gases can explode out in space and the world be created. And my question is always, well, where did those gases come from? You know, if there was just a big void out there and there was nothing, all of a sudden these gases appear, well, where did they come from? And then they exploded and Earth, you know, this ordered society, this ordered creation that we have came into being. There's a Greek word for all that other stuff. It's baloney. But... Uh, You'll be told that. And here's what I told my children. You take in as much of it as you need to take in to give it back on an exam. And once you've given it back on an exam, you throw it out and listen to the Bible. Amen. Don't trust what modern science who wants to deny God is saying. We understand that the source and the creator of all things is God. Look at verse 3. It clearly denies evolution. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Framed means to adjust, to put in order again, to reform, to restore. Back in 
we mentioned this last Sunday, back in Hebrews, the first chapter, the 10th through the 12th verses, Thou, O Lord, in the beginning has laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. God is in the process of folding this thing up, folks. He's going to fold it up and he's going to put it away. And he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. So how do you know that, preacher? Because the word of God says so and I trust God. We cannot scientifically prove the creation. Do you realize that? Scientifically. We accept it by faith. Scientific reasoning today rules out faith. Science says unless we can prove it, we're not going to believe it. Well, that's not faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, the scripture says. And so science refuses to believe what it cannot prove. Those without faith choose to ignore the truth. In Romans 1, verses 19 and 20, remember he talks about when they recognized that there was a God, that there was a creator, that they chose not to believe in God, but made all of these idols and all of that sort of thing over in 2 Peter, the third chapter. Verses 4 and 5, listen to what Peter says. They'll say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. They're just denying God. Verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Willingly ignorant. That means they choose to be ignorant. And there are so many educated people today that choose to be ignorant when it comes to the things of God. It's okay to have a good education. I'm thankful for the education I received. But folks, I'm not going to let my education interfere with my faith. You shouldn't either. Young people, you shouldn't either. And faith will affect our outlook. Not only our understanding, but our outlook. 2 Peter chapter 3, and we're going to go back there, and I know we read some of those verses, but in 2 Peter 3, 1 through 5, here's what Peter does. He ties preparation for Christ's coming to admitting the creation. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of the us the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. See, don't get worried when there are people running around saying, well, the Bible's not true, God doesn't exist, and Jesus never was and didn't die for your sin. The Bible's already said they're going to come. Second Peter 3, Peter said they're going to come. They're going to be here. They're going to be those scoffers going around in the last days. That's one of the ways you know it's the last days, right? And saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But verse 5 says they are willingly ignorant. It's one thing to be ignorant. Now I know I'm going to get a lot of amens with this, but folks, I'm ignorant. Thank you. I expected the deacon to say amen there. I can't do brain surgery. I'm ignorant about brain surgery. Don't come to me saying, you. no, I'm not your doctor. But there's some things I'm not ignorant about. And I'm not ignorant about the word of God. And I'm not ignorant about the things of God. And I'm not ignorant about the coming of Christ. And I'm not ignorant about the creation. I'm not ignorant about all of these things that the word of God is telling us is going to happen. And we see them happening. 
But there's going to come in the last days those who are willingly ignorant of those things. It's not bad to be ignorant. It's just bad to be willingly ignorant. We've got a lot of folks willingly ignorant today. What does it matter if I don't believe the creation? Well, it denies God. It denies Christ. It denies the coming of Christ. There's the problem. Faith is our uplook and faith is our outlook. We walk by faith, not by sight, the scripture says. First John chapter 3, verse 2. Listen to what John says there. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You're a child of God right now. You may not look like it. I mean, people look at me and say, would God make something like that? But they can't see the inside. This doesn't look anything like what we're going to be, folks. Well, what are we going to be like? We're going to be like Jesus. Whatever that is, that doesn't mean we're going to look like Him. Whatever kind of body He had, we're going to be like Jesus, for we shall see Him as He is. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Listen to this. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What things are you talking about? This whole creation. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Jesus is coming back. And one of these days, he's going to melt this thing down. That's being dissolved. He's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. So knowing those things, see here's our outlook and our uplook, knowing that he's coming back, knowing that he's going to do those things, how ought we to live in this present world? Putting down our tent pegs too deeply that we can't get them pulled up and move the tent? Our living for the Lord and ready to move on when he calls us home. And through faith, again, as I said, our outlook becomes our uplook. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. How are you going to overcome the world as a child of God? There's only one way. Faith in the Lord Jesus. Trust in Him, letting Him live through you. Faith defeats doubt. Through faith we understand, he says. Through faith we perceive. Through faith we know the truth from the Word of God. So I'm going to close. But I'm going to ask you as I close this morning several questions. Number one, how much faith do you have? Just sort of silently run a little test. You know, all these programs and computers have self-test. Run a self-test right quick. How much faith do you have? Now, if you were to ask the Lord, Lord, increase my faith, what would he say to you? Would he say if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, here's what you could do? Can we have the faith of those who are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11? We can. We can have the faith of these in Hebrews 11. Do you have a good report with men, with people? Is your life a good testimony of faith in God? Do you please God in your faith? See, faith will turn into faithfulness, okay, by the way. Is God ashamed or is he unashamed to be called your God? And finally, what kind of witness, what kind of testimony does your life give of your faith in God? Oh, I trust God. 
See, some people have enough faith to say, well, I trust Jesus. I'm, I'm, I want to be saved. But there's faith to salvation and then there's faith after salvation. Faith to salvation is when we, in repentance, turn to God and by faith apply the blood of Jesus and he saves our souls. Faith after salvation says, okay, now I'm a child of God. I want to live, act, think, dress, conduct myself as a child of God. That's how I want to be. What kind of faith do you have? Did you just have enough to get you saved and that you're going to hang on to that for the rest of your life? And according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, then when your works are put before the judgment fires of God, they're all going to be burned up because it's all wood, hay, and stubble? Or do you have some gold, silver, and precious stones that you've laid up by faith? I don't know. Only you do and the Lord does.